everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Death of Vanilla podcast. On this show, every single week, we bring guests from all kinds of industries so that you get all kinds of perspectives and techniques on how to do marketing that is innovative, is different, and actually helps you stand out so you get noticed instead of get ignored. And obviously, this is huge. The noise level online is just ridiculous because everyone can post content. Everyone can try to make it. And so now you have to work extra hard to get noticed. And outside of volume of content, which you know is important, the kind of content and the strategy and the the innovative way that you go about that is so important. On this particular episode, I'm on the phone with Nick. And Nick has a podcast himself called The 9 to 5. And it is all about transitioning from having the you know, the, the regular nine to five work job into transitioning into doing your own, own business. And so he has different ways that he's learned about standing out, how to do things differently that he's learned, not only himself, but from the different guests that he's had on his show. Not only that, but we actually revisit a common theme that we have really come across over and over again, which is relationship building and how valuable that is to get noticed. And uh, Nick talks a little bit about how Twitter has really been a game changer for his business in building the right kinds of relationships. And in this episode, he goes into detail how he does that. And so if you uh, you know, have wanted to use Twitter better, or if you want to just apply the, the Twitter mindset to some of the other platforms you're on, definitely check out this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Nick. Wanna cause no problems. Mm. I just wanna live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Yeah. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, yeah. but you know when you see imposters. Yeah. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you wanna talk, let's talk. But right here, make sure you walk and your talk is constant. Awesome. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Death to Vanilla podcast, where we talk about you know courageously creating and innovating and just doing things different to help you stand out so you get noticed instead of get ignored. And so uh, I have an incredible guest on the show. He's a podcaster himself, so that's super awesome. He understands the value of doing stuff like this. And uh, his podcast is called uh, 9 to 5. And so I'd love for you, Nick, to just say hello to everyone and uh, unpack just a little bit about who you are and what the 9 to 5 is all about. Yeah, well, Steve, thanks for having me. And hello, everybody on Death to Vanilla podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Um, 9 to 5 the nine to five podcast, everything, it's, it's basically about leaving the nine to five. So my whole brand is kind of taking people along on a journey of escaping a nine to five job into full-time entrepreneurship. So on my podcast, that's what I like to focus on. I like to talk with entrepreneurs and talk about their transition from working a nine to five job into starting their own business, brand, company, whatever it is, and then kind of unpack what made them successful throughout that process. So the listeners can kind of pull information from the guests that I bring on and hopefully start implementing that into their own ventures or soon to be businesses or current businesses. Right. Awesome. Now that's super fun. And uh, funny enough, 
um, not that they were the same, but my first iteration of my show was called the uh, Digital Hustle Show. And it was all about uh, small business owners and just kind of unpacking the, uh, the, the trials and tribulations and the upside to having your own business. And I love how you're kind of catching them at the very beginning of that, because uh, let's be honest, uh, a lot of us are starting to pursue our dreams at a pretty inconvenient time, which is when we already have things to spend money on. <laughs> So, um, you know, we already have house payments and have cars and gas and insurance and all these other things. This, you know, if we'd have done this when we were 16, that would have been a much better use of my time um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a lot I mean, less risky. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's something that I found very interesting because, like, right now I am still working a nine-to-five job. And I find as I'm working through these business ventures, I'm thinking, like, okay, when is going to be that time that I make that full transition? And it's kind of a scary thing to think about is like, okay, I'm going to leave a stable job that's giving me a income that I know is going to be there week after week. And yep. I'm just going to have to leave all that. And I think that's kind of interesting because it's something I never really thought about it until starting a business. So I really like to like see what that like process was like for some of these entrepreneurs that are now successful. Like, was it a scary thing? Was it like, super confident. Like it, it's just a very interesting topic for me. Yeah. I'm sure for you and for me, uh, I would, I would say the same is the, the podcast is kind of like a little bit selfish and a little bit selfless at the same time, because it's like, I'm literally just so curious. And uh, like, so for example, with the digital hustle show for me, it was all about, I want to ask the questions uh, that I want answers to that I know if I go just walk into a business and ask a business owner, they'll never be honest with me about. So if I ask in a podcast setting, they're going to be honest because they want to be helpful. And, and it helps me to have uh, actual honest feedback into things that I'm legitimately curious about, which I can't be the only one. And that's kind of like the selfless part of it. We're like, the information really is for everyone and is designed to be helpful for everyone. So I'm sure that's kind of you in a lot of ways where you're like, so how do I actually quit? Like, I really want to know. <laughs> right. No, that, that is exactly it. That is what is so cool about podcasting because I've gotten to interview a lot of people that I've looked up to and podcasters that I've listened to for the longest time. And I'm like, holy cow, like that guy, he's got it made. Like he knows what he's doing or she knows what she's doing. And now with the podcast, I was actually able to interview some of those people. And it's like interviewing cool. some of my idols. And it's like, holy cow, where would I ever, like if I called them up or shot them an email, it would just get ignored. Yeah, totally. The podcast gives you that avenue. It's so cool. <laughs> I know it's sneaky, but I tell you what, it's freaking awesome. I love it. So <laughs> that's cool. I, I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way. Um, so, okay. So you, you started up the podcast. It's kind of like a learning opportunity. And of course, I'm sure it's, it's helpful for building exposure for you as well. Um, so how did you go about like getting your first five guests? You know, you, you know, cause like, obviously like, so this podcast is all about like standing out. So you must have done something or, or explained what you did in such a way that it stood out enough to them to spend their time on your podcast. So how did you go about that? So honestly, I went extremely basic right at the beginning because when I launched the podcast, it was kind of something where I kind of just decided one day that I was going to do it. And I kind of developed a plan on what I wanted the show to be about how I wanted it structured and kind of set up like the behind the scenes stuff, like the, the images and all that good stuff. Yeah. And I really, there was just a few people that I knew in my personal friend circle 
that had either started their own businesses or were in the process of starting their own businesses or kind of like in that transition period. And I asked them if they want to be on. I said, hey, just straight up, I'm starting a brand new podcast. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'd love to be able to bring you on an interview for the podcast. And they're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then I started to do the same thing. I kind of had an audience uh, before the podcast. I had a blog. Okay. And I was spending a lot of time on Twitter, kind of building up relationships and circles within Twitter. So I found a couple of people on Twitter that would agree that they wanted to come on the show as well. And after I started getting more people, then other people heard that I had a podcast and would be like, hey, I heard you have a podcast. Like, I'd love to come on the show. And it just kind of snowballed and took off. But right, right at the beginning, it was like, start with the people that you know, start with people that you engage with and can have an honest conversation and like for me podcasting, getting on camera and like talking to someone was intimidating, but yeah. being able to come on and talk with somebody that I already knew kind of like took the nerve out of it. And it's just two friends having a conversation. Right. That's so funny for me. Podcasting was never nerve wracking because I'm an introvert. And so what was actually nerve wracking is going to like a networking event because I was like, I don't want to have, like sales conversations or pitches with like 30 people. That's like anxiety overload for me. And uh, so for me, podcast was like a relief because I was like, I could just talk to someone. <laughs> Even if I don't know them, I'm going to know them by the end of the podcast, at least a little bit. And uh, I don't have to worry about having multiple of these conversations in that same hour span. So, <laughs> but that's just me. That's just because I'm introverted and, uh, I don't know. Don't like saying hello to 30 people at a time, <laughs> but I don't know. So what is it? So what is the business that you are planning on jumping ship for, uh, from your nine to five to do? What, like what business am I coming from? No, like, well, cause you're trying to quit, right? Yes. Yep. yep. So what are you trying to go to? What's your dream? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we all want that, that passive income being able sure. to build a brand. So when I initially started the nine, five to freedom brand is actually the initial brand that kind of stemmed into the nine, five podcast. And my whole thought process was just taking people along on the journey of what I'm doing to actually leave the nine to five. And through that, my whole plan was to create educational content, get into online courses, kind of just test the waters in a bunch of different areas and see what I can learn, see what I can, what skills I can develop. Um, but the main goal was to be like, almost like an online educator in a way. Okay. And in, in testing all of those different things and trying things out like SEO and blogging and podcasting, I don't know, I have a, a good experience in all of them, but I didn't, I'd never really like dedicated a lot of time to each of them. So mm. this past year has kind of been a year of monetization. So okay. I'm working on some digital courses right now. I'm actually in the process of setting up and launching an econ business that I'm planning to launch at the end of July, beginning of August, and just really focusing on the monetization effort because I think that's what's really going to resonate with the audience, the people that are trying to escape. It's like yeah. show real tangible results coming through. Um, so that's kind of where my head's at right now is just trying to get product and resources out there that people can start consuming and see the I guess, money coming in side of things. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's awesome. Like, and cause there's a couple of things in there that I think are really amazing 
in this story is, and, and I don't know, do you ever uh, listen to anything with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, and, so one of his things is like all about the difference between like documenting and what I call presenting, right? Presenting is when you have it all figured out and you're just presenting your ideas. Documenting is when you don't have it all figured out. And let's be honest, nobody has it all figured out. So we'll start there, but um, you know what I mean? So, but when you document, you're taking that pressure off to be an expert, but you are also becoming one, not only in the mind of the people that you're talking to, but because you're actually learning in real time. Uh, so I love that, that you've really shaped that around like the documenting part of things. Uh, Cause I think that can be a very powerful position to be in later on because part two, right. Is that you're not like a dude who's out of touch with the reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes and I don't know if this is true, but sometimes, you know, when like a person like Tim Ferriss writes a book, like four hour work week, it can kind of seem like a guy who's like kind of got all the wiggle room he needs to just try to figure something out. Um, not conceptually, cause I know he's applied a lot of it to himself, but you know what I mean? It's just kind of like out of touch. Um, in that sense, I'm not sure that's true. And I'm not accusing him of anything that I feel like that's an impression people can have. Whereas you've documented like here, I was literally working a normal job. And now I'm not, and I can teach you how to do it because I've literally been in your shoes like six months ago. You know what I mean? I think that's a powerful position to be in. And it's funny you mentioned that Gary Vaynerchuk, because I know exactly some of the clips that you're referring to. And that's kind of what inspired me to do that. Cause I was, I mean, you watch his highlight clips and all that stuff from like the week or I, I can't remember what their, the vlog is called, but the weekly V. Yeah, the weekly V, and it just goes around like following his life. And I was like, this right. is amazing content. Like, that's such a good idea. Obviously, I don't have someone to come around with a camera and follow me and edit up all this stuff for me like I wish I could. Right. But that, like, that idea, along with the fact, like, I, I always thought the entrepreneurship wasn't something that I could get into because I was looking at the people that are at the top. And you look at what those people are doing at the top and they're literally everywhere. You look at Gary, he's on social media, he's on YouTube, he's on TikTok. He's, he, you can't find him not anywhere. Right. <laughs> and that's intimidating as hell trying to get into it because you're like, how am I going to do that? Like, how do I post on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and be podcasting and blogging and doing all the stuff? And it's, it's really not possible. So that's why he has a team. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But when you're looking at it, when you're just starting out, you're looking at those people and you're like, well, that's what works. And when you try to start doing that and you end up failing because you're spread too thin, like that knocks you down really quick. And then you're like, well, I guess entrepreneurship just wasn't for me. Right. But if you can document early and kind of take people along in that journey, you're going to be pulling people that are just a few steps behind you. And that's going to be inspirational because you look at where I'm at and they're like, well, I could be where Nick's at. Like if I, I, I can do what Nick's doing, like that's not out of reach. Right. And that whole kind of concept of just bringing people along, I think is just really cool to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's very relatable. And uh, I think that's, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Um, so so I think the I think the great follow-up question to this is if you can't be everywhere, you can at least be somewhere, right? And so and the whole point of the podcast is, you know, just stand out by doing something different. So um, it kind of sounds like you ended up kind of doing the different thing and, and doing the standing out thing um, with what you were doing on Twitter. Uh, is that true? 
Yeah, so that that was really where I put most of my time in. Like I was trying okay. to kind of do the be everywhere approach just by repurposing content and trying to cross sure. promote, do all that deal. But Twitter is really where I was able to build an audience, build connections, and kind of have real conversations with people. So I really gravitated towards Twitter and built up. I mean, it's I think I'm still around a thousand followers on Twitter, but mm-hmm. I engage with a lot of those followers. I have legitimate conversations and interactions with the followers that I have. So right. I would much rather have that than a hundred thousand followers of people who I don't talk with and don't care what I have to say. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's like, dude, to have a thousand people who have your back, that's powerful. What made you choose Twitter? Honestly, I don't know. I just, I kind of, I got on Twitter and I think I, I just started building some connections early on, like had some good interactions with people yeah, and saw some of the growth that they were having on Twitter and thought, well, I mean, same thing. Oh, well, they're doing it. Like I could do that too. They're just a few steps ahead of me. I'm at right. 500 followers. They're at 600 followers and now they're at a thousand followers and just kind of seeing that progression. It's like, oh yeah, I could do that. So, I mean, that coupled with, for me, Instagram, it, it baffles me. I wish I was better at it, but I, yeah. I just have a hard time like building a legitimate connection with someone on Instagram, especially in the online business niche because it's mm-hmm. so flooded with just junk. And with Twitter, I was actually able to connect with real people. And I knew that I was connecting with real people and not just like meme accounts or spam accounts or any of that. Oh, right. Yeah. So I, I felt like I was building a connection with an actual person and not just potentially someone who's going to try to scam me out of money or something. <laughs> I can't say that I've had much different of an experience than you have. Um, obviously, because I'm a visual creator, Instagram has a certain draw to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the fact, I mean, you, you can certainly post videos on Twitter, but it's not quite the same thing. Um, but I did find that the conversations happening on Twitter were very different than the ones I was seeing pretty much anywhere else. Um, for example, <clears throat> I can only speak to my experience, but like for me, like uh, LinkedIn was uh, also a good conversation, but much more like serious professional. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram couldn't be more casual, um, but still nice. And then, uh, Twitter seemed to have like that good middle ground where it's like still serious. There's still good conversations. Um, but they had a little bit of a range where there was still like a lightheartedness to them. Uh, but then also could be serious and thought provoking as well. Um, obviously depending on who you follow. Um, so I don't know that that's been my experience. I'd, I'd love to kind of hear what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, really Instagram, I didn't start really paying close attention to it until Clubhouse came about because everyone mm. was doing the whole, oh, hit me up on Instagram so we can continue the conversation offline type of thing. Oh, right. Um, then I started having a little bit more legitimate conversations there. LinkedIn scared me because of that, like almost overly professional. I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out here. And I don't want to come into a space where people are going to be like, well, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> so I He's wearing a Jurassic of, Park shirt. Can I even take yeah, him I seriously? Mean, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So. Right? <laughs> so I guess with Twitter, I mean, I, I started in the, that blogging space, like I said, and Twitter was kind of like a micro blogging in a way. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I found once you 
kind of started getting in certain circles and you started following the right people, like you almost in, end up inside this little community within Twitter. Like mm. I'm almost like right now inside this like entrepreneurship bubble on Twitter. And it's, it's pretty crazy how it like all happened. Oh, but cool. that, I, I was going to say like, if you are like trying to grow an account, whether that is Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it is, definitely don't go with like the follow for follow type approach. Be very strategic with who you're following because that is ultimately with how the algorithms work and all that. That's what's going to end up shaping the kind of content you see on your feed, the kind of people that you're actually able to interact with and what Twitter actually pushes to you. Right. That, that was something I made that mistake early on where I was just getting a bunch of random stuff about this person ate this food or saw this movie. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really care. And then I'd come on one that was like, oh, I just made my first dollar with affiliate marketing. I was like, oh, that's the people I want to talk with. Right. How do I find more people like that? So be very conscious of who you're following. Don't be so focused on like trying to grow this account big because you're going to, you want to build the connections. You want to build the relationships. That's what's going to serve you well down the road. So what kind of, what kind of content were you putting out there that was beginning to connect with people on Twitter or was it more just like, like not DMS, but you know what I mean? Like commenting and stuff. I think where I actually started seeing growth and I actually was active in seeking out people. Mm, okay. And in doing that, I would actually go into the search. I did it on the phone, but I think you can get very advanced, like with the advanced search on desktop. You can be very specific with what you're actually looking for. And I just started searching for hashtags or like keyword phrases on either blog posts that I was writing or just content that I knew I could help people with. Okay. Um, a good example, like I was helping some people start a podcast and I'm kind of, one of my courses about starting podcasts and I'm working into like coaching for podcasting, that type of thing. Yeah. So I'll go into Twitter and I'll type in start a podcast. Okay. And then you'll be surprised how many people come in there that are like, I've been really thinking about starting a podcast, or I really want to start a podcast, or who thinks I should start a podcast? And then I just start replying to all of those people and be like, hey, I think that's an awesome idea. I just started. Let me know if you need any help, have any questions. Like, I'm, I'm here for you. And just being active and really putting myself out there, not waiting for people to come to me, actually actively seeking people. I really started to build a following that way. And I mean, that's a great way to build clients, build relationships, build friends. It's, it's just been a really cool way to actually build a community and find like-minded people. When you were reaching out to people, did you like include a link to a blog post or was it just purely conversation? At the beginning, it was just purely conversation. I think there were a couple that I would kind of sprinkle in. Like if someone had a specific question, and they're like, oh, I'm thinking about trying to start a blog. I don't know where to start. Well, I have a blog post that talks about how to get your blog set up on WordPress. So then I'd say like, hey, that's an awesome idea. If you're having trouble, like here's a link. I walk you through step by step on how to do it. Right. And if they use it, they use it. If they don't, they don't. Um, more recently, I haven't done that quite as much. Although I have thought about, I was actually just talking with a buddy of mine that was on my podcast and people that follow you, 
you can reach out, you can get personal with them. You can send them a DM and say, Hey, thanks for following. I just came out with this new podcast episode. If you are interested, would love to know what you think. Being very small, like a very small ask, but appreciative that they're coming on the show. Like something like that is not too disturbing. And right. who knows, you might find either a fan or someone who likes your show, or maybe they say no and who cares? <laughs> like the only right. thing you say no. Well, and I think the the thing that I've been hearing not over and over again, but pretty often recently, is just this idea of um really taking advantage of the interactions that you actually get. So uh, an interaction, no matter how small, is still an interaction and can still be uh, leverage for something. And um, I'm trying to forget who it was that I was just talking to. I feel like it was an interview I had yesterday. I've been doing so much video work, I can't even think straight anymore. But um, something he said reminded me of this great book. And I'm trying to think if I have it on me right here. Oh, I do. It's probably going to knock over everything on my bookshelf. So anyways, there's this book called Influence. And it's just this idea of um, like going for a small ask is a small yes. And then a small yes can lead to a bigger ask and a bigger yes and so on and so forth. So he was, I think in the book, they use the example of like, you go into uh, like a retail place, you'd say, hey, can I leave my business card here? And then they say, yes, awesome. And then maybe like a couple of weeks later, you go and can I put in this like a uh, little flyer? And then pretty soon you've got like a sign like sitting on their table that they would have never agreed to walking into it. But because you had small asks, you begin to build. And I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about, which is, hey, thanks for liking my post. Check out this content. Oh, you like my content? Join my newsletter. Oh, you like my newsletter? Show me the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm sure there's a couple more steps in there. But uh, just that idea of like leveraging attention. And I think that's perfect. That's exactly what you're talking about doing, which is, Hey, like you found something useful. Here's something even more useful. Right. Exactly. And I mean, by you putting yourself out there, I mean, think if the roles were reversed, would you actively go out and ask them for help or ask them a specific question you have? Right. If it's someone that you've been following or been paying attention to, likely not because you're going to be intimidated by that. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. So by you putting yourself out there, don't think about it as like you're spamming this person. They followed you for a reason. They liked your content for a reason. Be the one to put yourself out there for them and right. just, hey, I think this content could help. I saw you like this specific post or you like this content. This is some other related content. Maybe it will help you. And it, it might just spark conversation and build some kind of a relationship. And that's really what you want is that trust. Right. On social media, you're not you're not trying to come off as like this know-it-all, like I'm the expert in this space necessarily. You're trying to build trust and relationship with your audience. And if you're interacting and having those conversations, that's where that trust builds. I, I would 100% agree. And like I've read a couple articles that basically says that like social media is like the least trustworthy platform to build on like tv ads is actually the highest and i want to say it's like radio and something else and it's because of gatekeepers right like someone else has said someone else has credibility and said this person's credible and and that's why it works so well so you do have to work harder in social media to build that reputation 
because it's legitimately the most difficult way to build uh, credibility. And so it shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, that it is actually very difficult to do. And like you mentioned, it's just, you know, it's, it's just like anything else It's a relationship. You know, you don't, you don't walk up to someone and say, Hey, uh, my name's uh, Nick. Uh, can I borrow your car? Like they'd be like, who the hell are you? Right. But if you knew them and you were friends with them for like a year and they trusted and care about you and they said, Hey, Nick, like I have to go to work and my car just broke down. Can I borrow your car? You'd be like, here's my keys. Assumably if they're a good driver. Right. And so, <laughs> but you know, that doesn't happen overnight. And I feel like sometimes people put business in this special box where it's like, oh yeah, like they just, they see my Instagram ad and then they spend $10,000. And it's like, where is that ever true in anywhere else in life? It just isn't. Yeah. It, it's funny that you mentioned that because there was someone I was actually just talking to recently. They, uh, shoot, I lost what I was saying. <laughs> I lost where I was going with this. Oh my God. Oh, it was just like asking for stuff, building that relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this guy, he interacts, he has conversations, he'll get on Zoom calls, he'll pop on a phone call, whatever. And he just, he has engagements, he has conversations, builds a relationship with without expecting anything in return, which sounds counterproductive, sounds like not a great use of your time, like you're out there trying to make sales or close a client or whatever it is. Right. But by you building that relationship, being helpful, not asking for anything in return, just trying to be a genuine person. I'm willing to bet down the road just by you being helpful. If you needed to call in a favor and you said, Hey man, like I'm starting this new thing or I'm trying to get this pushed out. Do you mind giving me a hand with this? Or maybe mm. they have a service that you can't, fulfill right now be like hey man i really need your help with this thing i know you're like the expert in this you helped them already once they're probably going to be more willing to help you versus just like you said asking for the car on day one right saying like hey man you mind just giving me this or do you mind giving me a shout out here they're gonna be like who are you and why should i care <laughs> well because I, I mean like because of the fact that the credibility is so hard to build it's like you talked about with uh who you add on twitter it's like everyone's in like protection mode to make sure that the people that they associate them with themselves with are credible for the same reasons that you're trying to build relationships with people who are also credible. And so when you go and you make an ask for that, you're kind of the EQ on that's pretty low because you're asking them to do something that you would really never do on your own. Or if you did, that would be a, a stupid move. <laughs> just to right. associate yourself with just like anyone who asks. Yeah, exactly. So what kind out of curiosity, what kind of content were you putting out on Twitter? Like what kind of, like, were you posting blog posts or cause you, you were obviously doing a really good job of relationship building, which is key. It is called social media. Um, <laughs> last time I checked. Um, but uh, what kind of like content were you putting out there? Uh, was it just like how to's or like, how did you, I guess a better question is what were you putting out there and how did you find out what you needed to put out there? Boom. I like it. It's a good question. Um, so really I started out, I started out just putting out content that I was kind of blogging about. So I was blogging about trying to start a blog <laughs> as that is. Right. <laughs> I, I had just went through the process of setting up a blog and I was like, okay, well, 
if I'm I was using resources to try to figure out how to do it, other people are probably searching for the same thing. Here's a blog post about how to start a blog. But I would kind of break it up for Twitter. Like I said, it's kind of like microblogging. Right. So you just kind of put out like little tips here and there and just kind of sprinkle it in. And then you can throw a link in there like, hey, here's a killer tip. If you want more, go check out the full ep- or the full blog post. Right. Um, but what I had found, because I mean, some of the people that you see that are super successful on Twitter, they're posting like 10, 15, 20 times a day, just like outrageous amount of times. And it's like, how, again, how do I keep up with that? <laughs> and I, I struggle with that as well. But what I had found was by me just posting content out there and not trying to go out and engage with new accounts, I didn't really gain that many followers. So the stuff I was putting out really didn't matter because no one was seen, no one cared. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I did like what we were talking about before, like going into the search, finding specific accounts, reaching out and talking to them. Then they'd end up following me and then they'd be like, oh, I just put out a new tweet and they end up liking and retweeting that like, oh, this is a great tip. Um, but threads seemed to do very well, Twitter threads. Um, so I'd basically, you could almost take a blog post and summarize that blog post into a Twitter thread. Be like, mm. how to start a blog. And tweet one would be like, okay, step one, you need to get a domain. Tweet number two would be, okay, now we need to get a hosting service. Step three and just yeah, so on and so on. And you basically have a miniature blog post on Twitter. Oh, cool. And yeah. People eat that up. And I've seen people do really successful, like drop some crazy knowledge that you'd probably end up having to go pay for. Which mm. I guess Twitter's now kind of going towards the, the paid subscription stuff too. But I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's really weird. There, it's called like super tweets or super fans or something like okay. that, where you can have like locked or protected tweets. Anyways, huh. <laughs> yeah, so you could like pay two dollars to see my special tweets, I guess. <laughs> Those better be some dang good tweets. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, the, the threads seem to do really well because you were able to like pack more information into a small, still scannable, like yeah, post. Um. And then, and then a lot of it was just retweeting other people, like retweeting with a comment that tended to, that tend to do really well in terms of like trying to get engagement from accounts that you're trying to get to pay attention to, maybe a 10,000 follower count, stuff like that. Um, but I think the most important thing, even if you don't tweet any of your own content is to get engaging with other people. Then right. when you start posting stuff, people are going to start caring what you have to say. So, I mean, it uh, is, you know, it's pretty hand in hand though, right? Because what you're saying is like, you had to build the relationships, but at the end of the day, like part of the value was that you actually had something to offer them. Would yeah. you say that's and, fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely fair. And I mean, that could be something as simple as a blog post, or maybe that right. tweet itself is the value. Maybe that thread where you just drop some massive knowledge is the value you're giving them. And if you keep coming with that value, they're going to keep coming back to receive it. Kind of like putting together a couple of things here. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Cause I'm thinking about like when Gary V first started, cause I've been following him since like, not like the beginning, beginning. Cause I was never around for wine library. But um, when he first started, he was talking about how he'd spend like 14 hours a day, like on Twitter, just answering questions 
And of course, now he's not doing that. Um, and he is producing just a disgusting amount of content. But like we talked about before, I mean, he literally has a team. Uh, you know, he literally sits down with someone who like transcribes his thoughts into books so he could be a bestseller without typing up, you know, a single sentence. You know, what a great place to be in. Um, believe me, I need all the help I can get sounding intelligent. Uh, so having that would, for me would be amazing. But uh, to me, that kind of seems like a great way to approach, you know, if you have no budget, then you better be out asking, answering questions all day long. And if you do have a budget, that's, that, that's kind of the transition I see him in is, is he had enough time to have engagement. And then he ended up getting so busy from that engagement that he had to transition into having other people make the content for him. And I think maybe for people who are listening who are on the early side of things, you can't afford to have a videographer follow you around. It's not realistic. It's not going to happen. So what do you do? Well, you know, you interact with people online and maybe, and for some people, like obviously if Gary Vee's running like a dozen businesses, he clearly doesn't have time for that. And maybe as a business owner, you decide that you want to keep doing that. And that's awesome. But that kind of seems to me like that's a great way to kind of kick things off, especially when you're first starting is just building up those relationships first, rather than worrying about being a content machine. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. I hear all the time people talk about like, if you're trying to start a business or you're trying to grow a brand, you either need time or you need money, you need money or you need time. <laughs> right? If you have enough money, you can afford to basically build that brand for you. But I don't know if I agree with that fully. I think there has to, at the beginning, there has to be time invested into it because sure. you could have all the money in the world, but is that really going to get people to know who you are and build a connection with who you are if you're not spending any time on the platform at all? Like, yeah, you right. could build like a company page. Maybe you have like a brand page and that's it. And it sounds great. But I think in terms of like building a brand and trying to be like kind of like what we're doing, podcasting, like we are the face of the brand. Yeah. You want people to hear our voice. You want people to see us. You want people to be able to interact with us and not necessarily interact with our assistant. <laughs> so like right. Gary Vanderchuk, I mean, even though he's as busy as he is, like he's the one still manning his Twitter account. Like I think that's like the one account that he still pretty much has total control over. Right. The, the one that... funny thing with Gary though, he, they have a test bed account. It's called like Gary VTV or something like that. Like oh yeah. Mm-hmm it's a testing account and they will put tweets out on that account and see what does well. And then if it does well, then they'll end up turning around and throwing that on Gary's main Twitter page. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> it, like to have that kind of time and resources. Is so cool. But well, he, it's cool. The one interacting is, I yeah. guess is what I was. Well, I mean, I think uh, Twitter was his entry into a large social following. Cause I think he was one of the first people that went to a million followers uh, okay. Like in general, uh, let alone just like as one of his social platforms. Um, Dang, I, di I didn't know that. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's what it was. I think he was one of the first people ever to get to a million followers. Not like the first, but like, let's just say first hundred. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just making things up. I know for, <laughs> for a fact that that's why it was a big deal for him. And I know he leveraged that to the other social platforms. But Twitter is, I feel like, where he made his headway. Uh, with wine library is YouTube, I think, but 
Um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I don't think I've ever pieced that together as I love that idea of like, like you said, time or money. And obviously money is, is money is rarely ever the solution for everything, obviously. And so being able to put in that time to build those relationships, which, you know, then money can fuel because then you can pay for like remarketing ads or whatever else you do um, to be able to leverage those relationships. Cause obviously being forgotten sucks too. Like you go and make all these relationships and if people forget about you, then you kind of wasted your time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, have, have you heard of Pat Flynn? The name? Yes. I've heard of him. I can't remember what he's about. Okay. So he, he's in the podcasting space. That's kind of where he got his name, but he had written a book called super fans. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, it's basically all about getting like that core group of people that are like raving fans of everything that you do. And like previously, we were talking about that trust being that that big golden goose egg that we're trying to get after. We want to right. build the trust of our community. If you build those raging fans who would trust you with their life, like anything you do, like I'm behind you 100%, they're going to tell people about you. Right. And that word of mouth is going to transfer trust to people who may have never seen you before or heard from you before or interacted with you before. So if you become a big fan of mine and then you go tell your friend like, hey, Nick's so awesome, you need to check him out. By association, he's going to trust me to some extent. And then right. if he agrees with the content I'm putting out, then it's like, okay, yeah, Nick does know what he's talking about or Steve does know what he's talking about. So by building those that core fan base up front and really building that trust up, then once you start getting there, then money kind of helps because then you can scale it because now people are sharing you amongst their friend circles and you don't have to actually be the one-on-one -on -one trust maker. Other people are kind of doing that for you. Right. You're not starting at zero. You're starting at like, they're like 20% a fan or 50% a fan yep. rather than like, who the heck's this? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's cool. Um, okay. So it, when you kind of look in retrospect to some of the people that you've interviewed so far, um, what's some things that they did to stand out in their business that helped them make the jump into being their own person, their own boss? Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest things, well, the biggest thing was the relationship building and not taking the relationships for granted. Um, I'm, I'm like, you said you were an introvert. I'm very much the same as well. So I didn't really like putting myself even behind the computer screen. Like I didn't like mm. having interactions and engagement with people, but those interactions, even if it's not to try to sell somebody, if it's just to like have a conversation, like, what do you do? And oh yeah, I'm doing that too. Maybe accountability partner or something like building those types of relationships can serve you well down the road. And that's mm. a good majority of every guest that I brought on has talked about somebody who was able to leverage them into a better position or mm. a key relationship, bringing them into a even better position or being able to partner with people and that ultimately sparks the jump of their business. It's, it's crazy. It's something I never really thought about it, but it makes total sense. The more people, you know, and like we said, the more people that trust you, the better your business is going to ultimately grow because you have people to help you. You have people to lean on people that will trust what you're selling, whatever it is. Um, and then along with that, a lot of them talked about having either mentors or having people to help them. Mm. 
So I would say the second biggest takeaway would be don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. It, it can be intimidating, especially like reaching out to someone who may be somewhat of a competitor or like, I think of like another podcaster, like I'm helping podcasters get started, but wouldn't that necessarily technically be a competitor of myself? I'm helping someone else start a podcast or like a business podcast or whatever it is. It's like, I'm technically teaching you how to compete against me. <laughs> On some level, but at the yeah. same time, yeah, but at the same time, people are willing to help. You yeah. might run into a couple of people that are like, oh yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm too above that, whatever, but that's not the people you want to work with anyway. So just start, like if you can start those conversations on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, like start building those relationships and ask for help. Try to find a mentor or someone that can guide you or even just an accountability partner, like I said, that can kind of keep you on track and just be like, hey, Steve, did you finish editing that podcast episode that you said you were going to edit last week? Like, come on, man. Like, right. Having that, I think, is so much easier than trying to go at it alone because entrepreneurship can be very lonely when you just kind of feel like you're on an island. Absolutely. I mean, and like to that point, I had an incredible conversation with a guy who's also, he was local. He's in Arizona. He's in, he's, uh, uh, you know, he's in the next city over, but uh, him and I got to grab coffee and he was able to answer some questions that I like desperately needed answered and wow was it just so incredible like it helped me realize i was like targeting the wrong people and those people had different job titles than i thought they did and like all this other stuff and it like it changed stuff so much completely that like it's the reason i have this specific podcast like because i had to completely rebrand my podcast change the message change who i was going to talk to um you know, I went from talking to only business owners to people who are in the marketing field because my target market was now other marketers. Um, and so like, it was just, it was so amazing. Um, his name's Dustin and it's with every impression count. So I got to give him a shout out, even though I'm giving a shout out to a competing business because he, he helped me. Um, and so, yeah, it feels so good to help people. And so I think to your point too, it's like, a lot of those people that can be mentors desperately want to be, but they desperately want to be mentors for people who are actually going to take action. Cause there's nothing more frustrating than like teaching someone who's just going to be like, yeah, I just ate potato chips instead. You know what I mean? It's like, they want to actually help someone who's going to go do something. Right. Yeah. Because their time is valuable as well. Yeah. They didn't go yeah. through the ringer for nothing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, the mentor thing and actually my mentor is accountability partner. I actually experienced that like fairly recently with the e-com business. That's cool. I think just bringing an outside perspective into what you're doing can be a major help as well because you, you have this idea built up like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And it can be very hard to think differently outside of that. So as I'm planning this e-com business, I had everything kind of figured out. I knew what I was going to do. Like this, is how I'm going to market it. This is how I'm going to get the initial sales. Everything's going to be great. And I was actually in a mastermind group and I brought up the econ business and they're like, cool. That's awesome. Well, one of the guys in the mastermind group messaged me after and he's like, Hey man, like I'd love to, like I'm getting into the marketing and messaging. I'm working with other econ brands to do the same thing. Like I'd love to hop on a call and just like chat with you. Wasn't trying to sell me anything. Just wanted to help. And after one call with him, he started spitting out all these ideas that I had no freaking clue about and realized right. my launch plan sucked. 
his <laughs> he had such a great idea for how I could launch this brand. And now, like, I meet with him every week, and we're kind of just going through this whole plan and process to really have like a grand launch for the company. And if I wouldn't have been willing to chat with him about it, and I would have just been kind of like stuck in my own, like, nope, I got it figured out. I'm going to do it myself. I never would have come up with some of these ideas or had someone to lean on for these ideas. And I think right. I'm hoping this is going to be a great launch because of these kind of brainstorming sessions that I've been able to have, but we'll soon, we'll soon tell how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That, I mean, that is amazing. And you're so right. The, the entrepreneur journey can be a little lonely because pe most people, you know, in, in I mean, it's literally the fear that you're talking about when, when you're talking about transitioning yourself from your current work situation to working on your own is like, um, there's not a whole lot of fear and just showing up to the same place you showed up to the day before. There just isn't, uh, you're not wondering how you're going to get your paycheck at the end of the week. They mail it <laughs> or they direct deposit it. Like it's not a big mystery. Um, when you start doing your own thing, it's like, Oh, like, I have no guaranteed income next month. I should probably figure that out. <laughs> and it's like, you know, unless you have like a really solid reoccurring revenue job, which obviously is, um, that's the, that's the good stuff right there. Uh, making money the while you're you sleeping. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's really cool. Well, Hey man, uh, I want to respect your time. We're coming up on the end here. So um, how can people get a hold of you online? Where can they yeah. find you? Um, so like I said, Twitter's the main source. If you want to get in virtually direct contact with me, Twitter's probably the best place. And my handle is at nine, five free, but you have to spell out all of it. I didn't think any of this through when I did the whole branding, <laughs> but it's just N I N E F I V E F R E E. And then if you want to listen to the podcast, that's just at nine, five podcast.com and same thing. It's all spelled out. Um, yeah, twi Twitter and the podcast are probably the two best places to see what I have going on right now. Cool. And if people actually want to get a hold of you, I'm guessing Twitter is still where you're spending your time. Yeah, just hop on Twitter, give me a follow, or shoot me a message and say you listened to Death to Vanilla with Steve and enjoyed Boom. the conversation. I'm be more than happy to chat with you. <laughs> That's cool. No, I love that. So cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. It was awesome to get uh, a lot of your perspective on uh, how to build relationships with, which is just a, a topic that I find coming up over and over again. And so it's clearly key and um, super important for anyone in any stage of their business. So I appreciate you sharing that and uh, sharing your journey uh, on uh, your freedom, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> so, man. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast talking with you, man. Absolutely. Thank you. I don't want to cause no problems. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, but you know when you see imposters. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you want to talk, let's talk. But around here, make sure you walk and you talk. It's